When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Hump Day and welcome into the PHNX Sun Devil Show brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to leave a like, drop a comment, subscribe, even leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. I am Anthony Totri, joined as always on Hump Day by Sean DePaz. Shane Diefenbach looks a lot different than he usually does, and that's because Shane's actually still on Radio Row avoiding this show, which he has done now for what two weeks? Two it feels weeks. like We're pushing two weeks. Yeah. It's okay. We've got an even better replacement today. We've got Jack Loader Devils Digest own to talk ASU baseball, and we've got a lot of football related yeah. stuff to get into today. Jack, thanks for taking the time today, man. Yeah, guys, I'm stoked to be here. I've I've looked in on this studio virtually a number of times. It's like I said before the show, kind of commiserating some <laughs> some horrible ASU losses with you guys and. Just being there for each other, so I'm to sit in this seat is is pretty awesome. Yeah, we have definitely talked a lot about ASU's losses on this <laughs> show because there's been plenty of them. Uh, but hopefully, we can talk ASU baseball in maybe a more positive light this season than last season. Um, Jack, you're the guy when it comes to ASU baseball, and I guess just the first question I've got for you in terms of like what's next for the Bloomquist era in year two is just what is the outlook on a team like this that has kind of undergone a a whole roster haul? Yeah, so so I think last year the theme with Willie was learning, and he's talked about this a number of times. Every day last year was a new day. Everything was new to him. He'd never had his first game. He'd never had his first Pac-12 game, never had his first Pac-12 losing streak. Um, so this year he's, he's kind of said, you know, a lot of this stuff feels a little more familiar. And uh, last year there were really only two of players on the team that he had kind of seen and recruited and signed before they got the year underway. And this year, it's the vast majority of guys that he recruited. So I think he's a lot more comfortable, has his guys in the building, and that started in the transfer portal. Um, I've talked a ton about how the hall that they brought in, both on the mound and position guys all over the country, big-time names, kind of smaller-time names that are going to contribute. So they did a really good job in the portal. There's 33 new players out of 45 on the roster. So if you're, if you're heading out to Phoenix Muni next weekend for opening weekend against San Diego State, Definitely do some homework because there are a lot of new faces, but I think that the new faces and the familiar faces have, have been gelling well from what I understand. Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned the transfer portal. That was obviously a pretty big, uh, I guess, goal of, of Willie and company just to attack the transfer portal. How would you, I guess, rate how they did in the transfer portal? Obviously, there's a lot of new names, but I guess you can speak to the, the quality of those names. Yeah, you got to give it a grade. It's an A+. plus. Pretty much across the board, all these national college baseball forums rank their transfer class either first or second. LSU also had a phenomenal transfer class. But to be, you know, definitely the best transfer class in the Pac-12 um, and have be rec- nationalized, rec- uh, recognized nationally as, as much as they were was pretty impressive. The first two starting pitchers you're going to see next weekend, Ross Dunn on Friday night. He's a Florida State transfer. Left-hander, he's in the mid-90s with just a wipeout slider. Obviously, a major league caliber arm. And then the Saturday guy who's slated to start Saturday is Christian Curtis from Texas A&M. 
he's a guy who's been up to 100 miles an hour in the bullpen. <laughs> he's coming off Tommy John, so he's not quite back up to that kind of velocity. But his freshman year at AM, and even as a high school prospect, he was blown in the mid to high 90s. And that's a, in the Pac-12, you get a few of those guys in the conference a year. So to have him starting and really not even just being a back-end guy, a guy who can give you that kind of velocity and devastating stuff for four to six innings is going to be huge for them. Uh, they added Owen Stevenson, a transfer from the University of San Francisco, who's a right-handed pitcher. He's going to be playing in the mid-90s as well. Had a lot of experience in San Francisco. He was a Friday night guy for them. Actually pitched against ASU through five innings. Gave up a run last year at Phoenix Muni in that series. So just on the pitching side of things, and I'll get way more into the uh, position player stuff too, but the pitchers are going to be much improved, and that's something that's been such a, a point of weakness for ASU baseball in the last decade plus, really. They've had... You know, Spencer Torgelson, some, Spencer Torgelson, some of the best offensive players in the country, yeah. Hunter Bishop, just to name a couple. And they really have just not been able to pitch at a level that is even close to like a College World mm-hmm. Series type yeah. that the program wants to get back to. You you brought up the pitchers and obviously Ross Dunn and Christian Curtis. In terms of this ASU baseball team, just a year ago, you look at the way this team lost games. And I felt like so many, it was on the bullpen. Just time yeah. and again, uh, the bullpen just couldn't get it done. We've already talked about the starters, but in terms of the bullpen... Where did they upgrade, and how much of an upgrade do you expect it to be this season? Yeah, so they definitely upgraded in the bullpen, but surprisingly enough, the bullpen actually has like a lot of continuity in that Christian Bodlevich is back. He was probably the best reliever out there last year, and Blake Piveroff is back. And Piveroff was a two-way his first couple of years at ASU. Now he's just pitcher only. He's kind of dropped the bat, and he's mm-hmm. a guy who's going to you know get it up around 92, 93, um, right-handed pitcher who's become more of a pitcher than a thrower is what I've heard. And and uh, going back to Bodlevich, they call him the fireman. Puts out a lot of fires. He comes into jams, gets guys out of jams. But, of course, they added stuff in the bullpen too yeah. because if you watched any ASU baseball last year, you knew they needed to add some stuff. Start with the guy, Timmy Manning. He's a left-hander from Florida. He's kind of a smaller dude. You wouldn't really, when you see him, think, oh, this is a high-leverage pitcher. Uh, but he throws gas from the left side, and he has a great curveball. I was out at a scrimmage a couple weeks ago, and he was just – he fooled Ethan Long. He fooled Will Rogers. Some some of the best, you know, big power bats in the ASU lineup just had them flailing at that curveball. Um, Jonah Giblin's another guy. He's a transfer. He's a JUCO guy. He went to Oregon State originally. Just played at Phoenix College last year, and he's going to be a guy who will be competing for that back end spot. Another returner, Brock Peary. So that those are the three returners in the bullpen. Uh, Peary was pretty much the closer for most for the most part last year. He's a submarine guy, kind of a junk baller, so not your prototypical closer, but he. Yeah. When he's on, is great. When he's off, it's definitely an adventure. So, <laughs> oh, um, Nolan Lebemoff's another name just to keep in mind out there in the bullpen. So, the pitching coach Sam Peraza is definitely going to be shuffling things in the beginning and hope, hoping they can find that path in the ninth inning that they didn't have at all last year yeah. and they kind of lamented time and time again after late-game losses last year. Is we don't know when a starter comes out, be it the fourth inning or the sixth inning, we don't know the pads we're going to jump on to get to the ninth. So, I think identifying that is going gonna, is gonna to be good for this team and going to keep a lot of hairs in Willie Bloomquist's head, honestly. <laughs> um, I want to get to the offense in a second, but you, you brought him up, and while we're talking about the pitchers, I want to ask about Sam Peraza. Um, obviously pitching coach, but also the recruiting coordinator. Yeah. Uh, what, what has kind of his role been in all of this? And I guess, can you speak to the importance he, or how important he is to this program yeah. over this over the summer, I guess? I think it was really important for, for Bloomquist to have the recruiting coordinator be the pitching guy mm. because they've been unable to attract the best arms over the last, you know, seven, eight, ten years, like I mentioned, that to have a guy that's doing the recruiting and also is the pitching coach and can lay out to these pitching prospects and guys in the portal, hey, this is what we do. This is what a day in the life of a pitcher is like here. You know, this is a hitter's ballpark, but if we if we can put together a staff that can match what we have offensively, we're going to be playing deep into the postseason. And uh, Peraza, he's 
He came from San Diego State, so actually it's going to be kind of he's playing against his old team. He played at San Diego State when he was a player as well. Um, he was known as a good recruiter, like in kind of the West Coast, but now he has the ASU platform and can really use that brand of yeah. recruit kind of the cream of the crop instead of just like kind of a mid-major reach has been really good. And every pitcher I've talked to, you know, you never know how honest guys are being when you ask about coaches mm -hmm. uh, when they're on on the team still. But guys have said that he's been phenomenal. His preparation is elite. Uh, everything's super regimented this year. I think there was a lot of scrambling going on last year, especially with some injuries they had on the mound. So I think they're a lot more prepared, and Peraza is a huge part of that because they, he knows exactly what he bought into with the guys they brought in. So having a plan for these pitchers day in and day out, knowing when you're going to throw bullpens, when you're going to long toss, and when you're going to get on the mound in games or be ready to get on the mound in games if you're a bullpen guy, it looks really organized. I think Peraza has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I want to zoom out of ASU baseball for a second on the roster and just look at the conference as a whole because, ironically enough, right before – uh, yeah. We started the show, the Pac-12, released the, the baseball preseason coaches poll. You gave him the go-ahead? Yeah. Okay. So Stanford clearly is is the favorite. Um, their projected finish first. You've got UCLA at two, Oregon State three, Arizona four, Oregon five, Arizona State at six, Washington seven, Cal eight, Washington State nine, USC 10, and Utah at 11. Right before that even came out, I had kind of asked you about who were the heavy hitters in terms of Pac-12 teams. You said Stanford has a chance to be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the nation. Yeah. Outside of that, the second, third, fourth spot kind of up for grabs. From what you've seen with UCLA 2, Oregon State 3, Arizona 4, and kind of the rest of it, is that kind of where you expected these teams to be, specifically looking at ASU at middle of the pack here at 6? Yeah, so, so Stanford was a College World Series team last year. They were a College World Series team in 2021 as well, and they actually got better. Yeah. So Stanford's <laughs> going to be... I'd be shocked if they didn't win the Pac-12 in the regular season and then in the tournament. They're going to host their regional and super yeah. regional. So you kind of have to put Stanford off to the side. Um, I think UCLA, Oregon State, and even Arizona. Arizona kind of treaded water. But UCLA and Oregon State, I, you, you could make a strong argument that they regressed a little bit just okay. based on offseason stuff. A lot of guys went to the draft. Um, John Savage at UCLA, he's always had a just monopoly of recruiting. Anything south of Fresno in, in, uh, in California has been his kingdom. And recruiting over the last 20 years. And that's kind of shifting now that he's going to be playing in the Big Ten mm. and over the next few years. So that kind of losing that kingpin mentality yeah. down there, I think he may not be able to recruit quite, quite as well. Uh, UCLA and Oregon State are both teams that play very kind of small ball, dominant pitching style, like almost the polar opposite of what ASU baseball has yeah. been the last 10 or so years. So if they can't pitch at the highest level, they, that they've been pitching at the last couple of years, they're going to struggle to score runs and win games and stick around with teams that can really put runs on the board. Um, ASU, I think fifth or sixth is is fair. It's I think it's a little bit underrated that I would have them slotted over Oregon. I don't think you can fairly say, even the, with the offseason ASU had, I don't think you can necessarily put them above Arizona mm -hmm. just yet, just because Arizona's had their number the la last year. And I can't identify a spot where Arizona really got worse. They're still going to be a really good team. Chip Hale runs a good program down there. They're going to play fun games against yeah. ASU. One thing I, just to go on a little bit of a tangent here, one thing I loved about Willie Bloomquist last year was he was not shy about how much he despises the University of <laughs> Arizona and the city see. of Tucson as a whole. <laughs> I, I think I asked him one point, how excited are you to get down to Tucson next week and face, face Arizona? And he said, oh, I'm never excited to go to, go to Tucson. <laughs> I think he commuted every day of the weekend series. So he like, drove, wow. drove down from Scottsdale. I'm not sure about that, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you got to hate a city. I'll have to ask him if that's the case. <laughs> but this year they're coming up to Tempe, so he doesn't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, he's, he, he hates Arizona. He hates USC. 
Uh, so they're always passionate games, but I think the ASU at number six is fair. Um, but if they're if they finish six, it'll be a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk a little, uh, more about the offense. Um, and, and I guess I have feeling and well, like obviously a, a, a lot changed, um, specifically in the middle infield. There is some change, I believe. Right. Yeah. Like what should we expect, I guess, from defensively on offensive? What should we expect from that? The position players. The infield is a lot of shuffling going on right now. So the two big names that they brought in from the portal in the infield wise is Luke Kieschel mm-hmm. from San Francisco. Him and Owen Stevenson both came from USF, so they kind of were package deal there. And then a guy named Drake Vernado. He came from Arkansas. Never really played much at Arkansas. Wanted to get in the portal, go somewhere where he felt like he had more of a shot. Um, as it looks right now, Kieschel will probably start. I don't know if Vernado is in line to get mm-hmm. a starting job on opening day, and that's largely because two freshmen have really just tore it up in the fall and in the early spring practices here. That's Luke Hill and New Contratus. New Contratus is uh, from Hawaii. He's really wowed with his power. I remember I watched a fall scrimmage in October where I saw him hit. He took a low breaking ball and put it out to left center field, like well out <laughs> over where the numbers are retired. And it was like a, okay, this, wow. that's, this is an 18-year-old just off his front foot and basically one arm just muscled the ball out of Phoenix Muni. So he's been raising arms. He's also a sweet defense at third base. Uh, Luke Hill is a great hitter, gap to gap. He's put on a lot of muscle, I've heard, since he's been on campus in August and really bought into the weightlifting program. So he's stronger now. He doesn't have like baby pop is kind of what it's referred to anymore. It's kind of like a man's pop. So he can leave the yard and he can play short. So I wouldn't be surprised you see Hill at short, Keishel at second. But I think, I don't know, I'd probably put my money on Keishel starting at short and then Jacob Tobias will play first base as obviously he's a returner and you'll see Ethan Long, whether he DHs, plays third, plays some first base, that'll be kind of round out your infield. Ethan will be all over the place. Last question on ASU baseball before we move on, because we got a lot to get into today. I got so much more to say. I, I'm sure you do, man. I'm sure you do. It's all great stuff. Who are you looking forward to seeing most next week? And I guess really throughout the season, give me one newcomer and then one returner. Okay, the newcomer, I'll, I'll split it with two. I'll, it'll be Dunn and Curtis. I'll go kind of chalk here okay. the starters because the starting pitching is really what headlined that group. And, like, this is what ASU's been missing. Yeah. And the bullpen ought too. But, like, if those guys can come out and shove and dominate, maybe it doesn't happen the first weekend. But, like, if we see a few weeks in that Curtis and, and Dunn are for real, then this they, as high as this team goes will be as high as they go. Um, new guy, our returners to watch, Ethan Long, obviously, after the spectacular freshman season. Bit of a down sophomore year. He slumped, and then he also dealt with injury all year. Yeah. Really excited to see what he looks like, kind of with a newfound perspective as well. I think he's matured a lot off the field this year. And then uh, Campos. Campos is a guy who's just such a ball player. I saw him a lot out in Cape Cod this summer, too, and it was like he just wouldn't try to do too much with the ball. He's yeah. Like singles hitter. He can slap it through the 5-6 hole opposite way. He can also go yard to right. So he's a really complete hitter. And uh, I'm excited to see what he does with more of a target on his back this year because he had a lot of protection in that lineup last year. Not that he doesn't this year, but I think he's going to be circled by opposing pitching coaches a little more. Yeah. Real quick, I just what is like what is success this year for ASU? Like what That's obviously for because yeah. especially for people who don't play close attention to baseball, it's not as simple as football just being bowl eligible or making like yeah. what what does success for ASU look like this year? Right, I'm glad you asked that because last year I think the expectations were there's a huge range. Yeah. Like there's some fans who are like. Well, we have this guy, we have Ethan Long coming back, and Willie's this is Willie's program. We should be, you know, hosting a regional. And then there are some people who are like we should win 25 games. And ASU was finished in between that, but more on the on the downside of that. They hung around a little under 500, largely because of a really awful non-conference <laughs> slate to start yeah. the year, which is where they lost a lot of ground and honestly never really made it up. 
I would say success this year, you have to have a winning record, absolutely have to the floor. You have to make the tournament. Yeah. So you've got to be in that field of 64. I think if they don't make the field of 64, that will be a massive disappointment. Okay. Um, the ceiling, the ceiling is hosting. If, they, if everything goes right for this team, they could be a top 16 seed and host that regional. And I think that would be awesome for Phoenix community because that yard has really yet to be like baptized hmm. on the national stage. And it holds eight, 10,000 people. Like a, a, re, a postseason ASU baseball in June, that yard will be packed. It'll be really hot. And I think that'll be an advantage for ASU. If I had to put like a, Official prediction on this, I'd probably say they win 34 to 36 games. Um, they go to the pack, they go to Scottsdale, win a game or two in the Pac-12 tournament, and then they're a two-three seed in the regional in the South. Gotcha. Sounds like a success to me. Yeah, I'll take it. That Damn. would be that would be just, successful, but they, they've got they've got bigger eyes than that. So yeah, I, I think fans should taper expectations somewhere between failure and as big as this team's <laughs> expectations are. I had so much I had so much fun covering postseason softball last year. Yeah. Like, I'd love to have both. <laughs> yeah, postseason softball was a lot of fun. Post college baseball and softball, criminally undercovered. Yes. And that, oh, the, yeah. The, turn, the postseason is awesome the way it, it shakes out. It's like a double elim in the regionals, and yeah. then it's a two out of three in the supers. So. And, I mean, it's, uh, softball is amazing, but there's only, it's a smaller stadium. There's only so many people that could be there. I would love yeah. to see Muni packed. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely going to be an exciting season, both for ASU softball and ASU baseball. You brought up earlier about hopefully there's a bunch of these transfers, uh, specifically on the mound that is going to keep Willie from having to pull his hair out. Huh. Um, I imagine OGs would probably, probably do the same for Willie. Hopefully Guys, you if, you, some last year. if you haven't tried OGs, check them out. I know for me, I'm not giant on melatonin, and we've talked about yeah. this in terms of like sleeping, but OGs, you take it, make sure you got yourself a snack, give it an hour, and you are sleeping comfortable. Not to mention, guys, it's official. Strawberries and cream is hitting the shelves soon. As always, you can find them at your local dispo. You do got to be 21 or older to enjoy. We talked about it being hot at Phoenix Muni uh, yep. in the summer. I mean, it's going to be hot. You can also be hot and it's cool true. at true. the same time. Called me a sex symbol the other day I did. on this show. Because you were wearing Bad Birdie. There you go. And wearing Bad Birdie makes you a sex symbol. Um, check them out. Use promo code PHNX underscore sports one five for 15% off your next order at badbirdiegolf.com. It's genuinely the best golf apparel on the planet, but it's more than it's golf not even apparel. like golf apparel. It's yeah, it's it's, it's quote unquote golf apparel, but I would I it like it's just better for just being outside and not yeah. being hot as hell because it is super breathable, super stretchy, just super comfortable. Like I said, best golf apparel on the planet. So check them out, badbirdygolf.com. Bad birdie, get it on you, get it on you. Let's transition over from baseball to football. You already talked about SDSU. We might as well continue that conversation on SDSU because it looks like we could have the replacements for UCLA and USC. Everyone saw these two schools coming, right? SDSU and, and SMU. The, the obvious one. It SMU. looks like it feels like those two are the favorites right now. Um, right when the announcement of USC and UCLA kind of shifting gears and moving conferences was first brought up, SDSU was a it felt like a clear favorite to replace one of those schools here in the Pac-12. SMU, a little bit different. It looks like uh, Brett McMurphy, he tweeted the other day um, that Klyovkov was having a meeting at SMU on Wednesday. Now, if you're unfamiliar with SMU football, which I wouldn't blame you, <laughs> this is a team that finished fourth in the AAC last season. They were 7-6. and six. SDSU also, they finished second in the Mountain West last year at 7-6. and six. I'm just curious, from your guys' perspective, how you feel about these two as potential replacements, considering the noise you're losing with the LA schools and what you're gaining in return as SDSU and SMU. Like, I know you can't really like replace the LA schools, yeah, but I feel like you could do better than these two. 
Definitely felt like you could have done better than S or SMU. That one surprised me a little bit. Um, STSU, I just feel like it, it makes a lot of sense for a yeah. lot of reasons. And I would I would say that in a lot of the sports, they are they 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 perform to a power five level. Um, obviously, they've had they've had their moments in basketball and football. I mean, we saw them last year in softball. Yeah, we did. Um, so that one I don't really. It just makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. SMU surprised me. I understand the allure of like the Dallas market and being in Texas, but like <laughs> I'm I'm was born in North Texas. I have I'm familiar with the place. Like it's not SMU is not like a. No, you're not seeing a whole lot of people walk around wearing royal blue and and red. I'll say that. Like it, it up, yeah. It's it, there's a lot of TCU there, and honestly, like unless you went to SMU and you live in Texas, you probably care about the University of Texas. Um, so I'm not sure that doesn't it just doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, and also, if you know anything about SMU football, which is where I thought you were going with it earlier, um, they have one of the biggest scandals in college sports history. <laughs> so they they were one of the ones that. I think they got the death penalty. Damn near the death penalty a while yeah. ago. So um, a long time ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> a different program, but still. Um, I SDSU I like a lot, especially for for basketball. Um, but I can SMU, get on board. I can get bo- on board with SDSU. SMU. I'm <laughs> SMU. I love their their jerseys. It just feels lackluster. Yeah, there's. I feel like there's limit. There's limited schools that you can find that have the firepower in football and basketball. Yeah. Yes. I think SDSU is kind of one of those. I yeah. mean, they've been good in football. They have that new football stadium yeah, that's, that's like kind of like yeah. a mini stadium. It's yeah. like a 30, whatever, 35, 40,000 like seat yeah. stadium that fits. I'd rather have that and be at full yeah. than have like them playing at wherever the Chargers used to yeah. play and it being like yeah, a third. It's a nice, nice place, the but Q? like it, they don't fill it up for Aztecs games, yeah. right? Yeah. So, no, maybe it's, yeah, but I, SDSU has both. I, like I said, I don't know a ton about SMU besides yeah. that. It's in Dallas. Uh, they, <laughs> they've been good at football, and they have that history. You, you Everyone's watched that 30 yeah. for 30. Yeah. Um, travel wouldn't be terrible. Like, geographically, it makes some sense. Not yeah. like ter- kind of equidistant to, like, the northern schools for ASU, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's another big thing, too, that we talked about largely when this whole conference realignment thing was first brought up was the, the issues with USC and UCLA, and you look at recruits, you look at coaches, you look at families, whatever – like the distance that these schools now have to travel to go mm-hmm. play some of these games. SDSU, SMU, relatively close to just about everybody in the Pac-12 already. So that from like a geographical sense makes sense. Jason brings up an interesting point in the chat though. You obviously don't replace USC and UCLA with these schools. Uh, he'd rather stay Pac-10 or move to the Big 12, mm-hmm. uh, which we've already on previous shows discussed. If you're going to pull schools... You'd rather pull from the Big 12 than pull from the Mountain West or wherever else um, or just join forces with them as a whole. I'm interested, would you rather add SMU and SDSU or stay as the Pac-10 as is leave the LA schools? Now, I know from a financial perspective, the the conference can't really afford that, Mm -hmm. but let's say they could. Would you rather just stay the Pac-10? I feel like the Pac-10, when it's 10, you got to have USC and UCLA. The, yeah. yeah. Well, back in the day when it was 10 and there was no Colorado and Utah, it was kind of like, this is a better 10. Yeah. Than, yeah. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're losing like the two of the top four brands yeah. of the 10. So I don't know. I don't know if you'd go back to 10 without them. I think what's the what's the downside of adding a couple more and you yeah. know, see how they grow? Yeah. I don't know. What, what was the deal with BYU? They never... They're to the Big 12, yeah. I believe. Yeah, they're, which, they're in the Big 12 docket. Will in the I, chat bringing up Boise makes more sense. Yeah, I, I mean, from a, from a I think, purely athletic department perspective and locate, whatever, like, I think it makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, SMU is clearly, like, that's cl- in my opinion, clearly just about the TV market. 
Um, I don't know what other, I don't think there is another natural connection to the Pac-12 uh, that SMU would have. Um, to answer your original question, I, I I'm kind of with, I'm kind of with you. Like I, I think going down to ten doesn't really do anything for you. Like you, you, you need you need to replace. You need to add something. You need warm bodies, basically. Yeah. Um, San Diego, I think would be fascinating. I think that would be interesting to see kind of how rivalries develop with them because they'd be the only Southern California school. They don't have a natural a natural geographic rival in the conference now that with SMU. Um, You're talking like, SDSU. They, yeah. they got to be rivals with each other. Yeah, right. So uh, it would be interesting <laughs> to see. start with S. Like, yeah. it's, I don't think it's natural. Like, it, SMU specifically doesn't make, it just doesn't seem like a natural fit in the way that San Diego does. So I, I got to kind of have to look at them differently. San Diego would be a lot of fun. SMU, I just, it would be nice to be in Texas, I guess. I don't know. Like, it does, it just really does not do anything for me. Damon, you have something to add? I was just going to say about uh, BYU uh, that I think it was largely like a religious and like kind of a standpoint mm. from like a um, I guess like a how how the mentality of the schools mm. rather than because I think stylistically and athletically they do fit yeah and their rivals with Utah uh, but yeah. I just think that there was just that was the reason why BYU was never added even though yeah. BYU always made the most sense yeah, yeah. I I, I BYU taking a trip to Tempe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm Big Twelve guy. I would have loved to be in the Big Twelve. Um, I don't that. I just think it would have been fun. I think yeah. it would have been a fascinating connection with like Texas Tech, for example. I think would have been a fun little rivalry. Um, Big Twelve's I mean, fun. Man. I was and, yeah. I was in Oklahoma in September for the Oklahoma State game, and that was just walking around before like hours before the game. Yeah, I'm like dang, this is not. And Dillingham has pledged to change this. Yeah. This, but like. I was like, wow, this is nothing like Tempe yeah. on a game day. This is the entire town is just partying and it's yeah. 11 a.m. Yeah. Plus, I, I feel like the Big 12, you'd be hard. To, it'd be, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a program that gets hurt by moving to the Big 12. I think football elevates, basketball elevates. Um, I mean, obviously, the bat and ball sports, like it's still the pack. I don't, I don't know how much that really affects it, but like, uh, like the USC and UCLA going to the Big 10, like I think there's a lot of sports you can look at where it's going to severely hurt them. Um, yes. I think UCLA were, specifically more than USC. Yeah, but I mean, even USC. I think I think like you kind of mentioned with the with baseball. I don't know how many like how many. I don't know how much of an of an attraction it is to play Big Ten baseball. Um, like, very I, few programs exactly. That are so worth, I, I, not only that, but just the amount of games that you have to play. Let's yeah. say USC UCLA baseball, like the travel that is going to be put on some of these guys. And and we've like I said, we've had this conversation before about. If you are a potential recruit of these schools, specifically when it comes to baseball, softball, whatever, as opposed to football and basketball, it's a little different. But like it's a turnoff for me specifically of like, okay, every other week I've got to travel to some shithole school in the Midwest to go play baseball. Specifically, like when you look at some of the weather, yeah, like during when these games are, are going on, it's it's awful. A, th- I, a third of the Big do Ten doesn't even have baseball programs. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's so a like, turnoff, right? Yeah, because yeah. not everything's football, right? It's one thing to go play four games a year and two, one of them be against Ohio State, where yeah. they could play it in an article and you're not going to really care. Yeah, um, like th- that's not what it is. You're gonna you're gonna go play like uh, just a bunch of random like nobody schools for, uh, by and large Rutgers on like a Tuesday yeah it's like you know what sounds nice in the middle of like second semester traveling to northern New Jersey to play Rutgers in a conference game in a conference game yeah oh like, no God. thanks 
five and a half hours. Flight. Yeah, not to, at all. To Jason's earlier point about SDSU and SMU, and you don't replace the the LA schools. It's like Thanksgiving dinner, and like you lose the two best pieces. It's like you're you're having Thanksgiving without mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. In my mind, and so you're like Thanksgiving dinner. You're like, oh, okay, like there's still some good stuff, but you're trying to replace it with like more fucking vegetables. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I guess this is. But all you can right. have as much green bean casserole as you want. It's still not mac and cheese. No, and or mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah. like come on now, like, and I don't think you're when you lose them, you're not gonna get it back, right? There's nobody that the Pac-12 can pull of like, hey, do you want to be our mac and cheese? Like, you just. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, it, the Pac-12 was just late to this party. I think all of the the the, the schools, yeah, right? <laughs> like, I think all of the schools that would have made sense are going to the Big Twelve. Yeah, like, I, I, like Houston would have been interesting. Um, obviously, Cincinnati's too far away, but like, can you imagine uh, Houston in Pac-12 basketball? That would be fascinating. Well, also, inversely, ASU basketball in the Big Twelve would just yeah. be a punching bag at least yeah. for the time. <laughs> for being. sure, for sure, it would be fun though. It'd be fun to have those. And maybe it's just because, like, over time, we've gotten used to the Pac-12 matchups, right? We're yeah. used to ASU versus yeah. Oregon State. We're used to ASU and Oregon, et cetera. But, like, you bring up ASU basketball, how they would be, in theory, a punching bag um, for some of those Big 12 schools. It would just be fun to get those new conference matchups. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jason Mason, like, it, it makes it look the Pac look desperate and weak. Do you think... There is like any negative effect to having to adding SMU. Like, do you think it makes the Pac-12 look kind of sad? I mean, the Pac-12 looks sad already. Yes. So I don't think it's like, oh, we look more sad because we added more schools. I think from their perspective, the Pac-12 is just simply trying to stay afloat in terms yeah. of financials. And I think you like you need to you need to bring on two more schools. Again, we've talked about I don't hate SDSU. SDSU and ASU specifically have a little bit of a history, so that's fine for me. The other school, it is what it is. It would make less of a difference for me if you weren't losing what you're losing, right? Yeah. If you were to lose a Colorado or an Oregon State or whatever, it'd be a little bit of a different conversation. You could be like, oh, yeah, you could plug and play yeah. SMU in there. But you're losing 40. I think I think the number was 40% of your television revenue was from the L.A. schools. You're not making that back with these two. That's crazy. Right? No, yeah. So it, it is what it is. They're just they're just trying to stay afloat. And in yeah. terms of the Pac-12 looking weak and desperate, they do that on their own. Yeah. They don't need to add more schools or pick shit schools to to really like make themselves look worse than they already do. So, I still think some of these schools should have just said fuck you to some of the other schools and just let just got rid of like your Cal's and Stanford's and just merged. You can get rid of get their own conference, Kansas State and whoever else in the Big 12 that you don't want and just put all the good markets together. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a fair point too. Look, part of part of the benefit of being in the Pac-12, specifically in Arizona, is you got Burrito Express mm -hmm. close yeah. to you, just about everywhere, guys. Expert, they got locations all over the valley. Yeah, you had me. Uh, <laughs> buy a twenty-five dollar Burrito Express gift card and get a free burrito. We're still on the steak and egg. Yes. Add bacon. Yes, of course. I think we get BE next mm. Monday. Let's go. I think we do. I believe so, guys. If you haven't tried Burrito Express. It goes great. Have you tried Burrito Express? I've been there once. Yeah, it's been like a year though. Oh, you get back. Gotta go there. Like the, the marketing's great. Like, yes. Oh yeah. Someone who's tuned into ASU Sports, you can't miss it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Who would have thought? That's that's the marriage. Burritos, ASU football. Yeah. Somehow Dillingham is selling these big time portal guys on uh, nil deals with uh, Burrito Express. Hey, on a breakfast supreme burrito. You do yeah. what you gotta do, guys. That was, again, that was the difference for Rashad. They got locations just about 
everywhere in the Valley. Give them a follow on social as well, at Burrito EXP. Another positive being the Pac-12 is that Four Peaks is sold almost exclusively in Pac-12 country. That is true. Um, just about everywhere. Just about everywhere here in the Southwest. Um, specifically, obviously, here in Arizona. And they are... Um, and they're the best beer in Arizona. And if you haven't had a chance to try Arizona's number one wheat ale, which, like, it's probably ranked number one, but also if you've had it, like, it is legitimately the best wheat ale I've ever had. Yeah, wow, it's uh, crazy. Wow. Um, wow, wheat. Come on down to Boondocks, Old Town Boondocks, for the tailgate time machine Saturday, February 11th. You could try Four Peaks' newest innovation. It's packed full of Arizona citrus flavor, perfect mm-hmm. for light drinking into the desert sun. But you must be 21 or older to enjoy responsibly. It genuinely is. Ooh, being at Muni as a fan, yep. drinking some wow in this, over the summer, that would be... Yes. S- Watching any ASU sport and drinking a beer makes yeah. sense. But yeah, but I'm saying specifically drinking Whether wow... for pleasure or pain <laughs> yeah. or drown, yeah. But while I was drinking wow while watching baseball over the summer is perfect. Like it is... I cannot wait. I, I love baseball so damn much. Yeah. I just can't wait for the D-Bass games to be back and drink wow at Chase Field. You do got to be 21 or older to enjoy responsibly, guys. Uh, I need to... T- I don't know who we need to talk to. At Four Peaks, but if they're doing something at Old Town Boondocks on Saturday, mm-hmm. to find a way to get in there. Because oh, with the Super Bowl true. in town, hey, with the Super Bowl in town, there is going to be some people there. Yeah, you need connects. Why yeah, did Max have us do a podcast live Saturday from Boondocks? Why did he? Yeah, why didn't he? I don't know. We should ask. Come on, Max. Come on, Max. Be better. Well, be be better a lot Max. of foot traffic going on yeah. in Old Town right, right now. Right? We're going to have Drake like. on. We'll have yeah. Riri on. We'll have all of them on. On the, on the show. On the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. We are getting rid of our intro music, and Drake and Riri are just going to do their own intro for us live. Mm-hmm. So, again, Saturday, be at Boondocks, um, or just be lame and stay at home. That's totally up to you guys. Uh, Want to talk about the 2023 NFL Combine invites. and actually the lack, lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. lack thereof. Um, only one. ASU football player received an invite, Nesta Jade Silvera. Congratulations to Nesta. However, there are two players who, I don't know if you guys agree with me, should have deserved or should have received invites. Kyle Sully led the Pac-12 in total tackles. Um, captain for Arizona State for, what, last two, three seasons, I want to yeah, say. It's unofficially for longer than whatever it is officially. Yeah. And then Xavier Valade, ex going give it to you. The Pac-12 leading rushing touchdown um, running back, and then also one of two running backs in the pack to have rushed for over a thousand yards. Only one that had more was Zach Charbonnet, and he also did not receive an invite to the 2023 NFL Combine. I mean, listen, I I don't solely is kind of whatever. Like, obviously, it would be great for him to be there. I, but there was a point in, in the in the season where he led the country yeah, in total tackles. Yeah, I know. I, and But I just, like, I don't think he's necessarily an NFL caliber talent. So I can I, I can live with that one. It actually makes no sense to me. I mean, he, he ended his career as the FBS active leader in rushing yards, career rushing yards. Um, I mean, you already mentioned being one of the two guys to rush for over 1,000 yards. In the Pac-12, um, it is... It, I don't understand the argument. I don't think there is an argument that he should shouldn't be there. Like there, it just seems like a, a massive miss on yeah, my part. It's just a glaring omission. Like I, I'd love to hear. Like you said, like I love to hear the reasoning for him not at every step of the way. He checked the boxes. Like he, everyone was talking about coming into the season. Oh, there's going to be a big drop off. There's no Rashad White. It's like there was not a drop off no. at all. Yeah. in that one spot, and he's such a versatile back. Yeah, mm-hmm. get out of the backfield, catch passes. 
catch passes and trap. We saw him make a couple of spectacular catches that you'd you know be, be wild if the wideout made those catches. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like he's one dimensional. He's fat. I guess like he's on the older side for sure. But like yeah. we see, that's that shouldn't be a hindrance of a combine invite. Yeah. Seems like the perfect player that scouts would like to say. Exactly. Let's see exactly. more of this. Yes. Actually, like, I, I don't understand the, the decision sense. at all. Well, it doesn't make sense. And and I know they don't do this right. But you look at schools specific, right? FSU, DBU, right? Let's say there's there's a guy there that statistically meets the requirements, but to your point, he's maybe a little bit older, he transferred in, whatever. Like, you're like, okay, like he's a DB at FSU. That means something, right? right. Same thing with LSU. He's a DB at LSU. You look at ASU's running backs over the last handful of years. Eno Benjamin, Rashad White. You throw in Kalen Balage. Like, it's what they do. They breed running backs here. Yeah. You Then you pair that with his numbers. You're like... This, this guy should should have an invite to the combine. Not only statistically does he check every box, not only as a player does he check every box, but this is what ASU does, right? Yeah. Have a little faith. Let's yeah. let's invite the ASU running back. Instead, you've got three running backs from the Pac-12: Zach Charbonnet, Travis Dye, who Travis Dye is not an NFL running back, um, and then I believe Utah's running back is on there as well. Tavion Thomas. Yeah. Uh, and only Charbonnet is the only one to rush for over a thousand yards yeah. on that list. No, I mean it. Yeah, I don't even get like. There's other guys outside of those, the three guys that you just like. There's guys who I'm looking specifically at, Sir Roderick Thompson, running back from from Texas Tech, who got invited. He rushed for 684 yards last year. How many touchdowns? Uh, seven. Like on its like, I, I get it's more complicated than simply looking at their stats, but but sometimes it doesn't have to but be. When you yeah. look at the stats and you look at the eye test for X, everything suggests he should right. be there. I, I don't get it. I'm glad at least Nesta got an invite um, because he definitely deserves that. Um, but right. X deserves it just as much, in my opinion. And it's it's not like you could make this argument, oh, it's not just about the stats when you're about to draft a guy. But yeah. this is like, don't they just want to get as many guys yeah. in front of you as you can see? It's it's puzzling. And, and I mean, I and I get like the he's been here for a while. At a certain point, it's a war of attrition with it becoming the leader, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He spent a lot of time in Wyoming. But like... With a guy with the, this this good of stats, if you don't believe that he is that good, wouldn't again, wouldn't you want him at the combine so you can see him up close and be like, yeah, yeah. he actually is not as good as the stats might suggest. I just, like I said, I don't, I just don't really understand. Not that. only this year, this is a guy who played five years of college football. Okay, every single season, he averaged more than five yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Whether that be at Wyoming or Arizona State, right. three of those seasons, in all three seasons, which he rushed for over or had a hundred or more attempts, he rushed for over a thousand yards. Does not make every year from a receiving perspective, he got better. Eleven catches to thirteen catches to twenty-three catches to this past season, thirty-seven catches. And he's so durable. How many? Like, what was his games play total in those in those seasons? Can you even see that right now? Like- uh, let me check. He was a workhorse this year. How many big hits he took this year and just mm-hmm. got back up and was in the backfield. And from a size a perspective, plays. right? Like he's not he's not a guy that you look at the combine, you're like, oh, this guy's not yeah. gonna measure well. Like he's six foot, two hundred pounds. Yeah. And you, you get into like the really nitty-gritty about how scouts kind of like don't like the way his legs are built. You ever you guys hear that yeah. at all during mm-hmm. the season? He's kind of bow-legged. So it's like, oh, that lends itself to being injury prone or not being able to cut at a high enough level. But at a certain point, you gotta Look up from the from the stat sheet in these programs. Just watch a guy run the football. Yeah, and I think yeah. the eye test should hold a little more weight than it does in a lot of 
people's minds these days. Yeah, so he maybe. played every single game last year, obviously, for ASU. That's played good. every game for in uh, at Wyoming in 2021. In 2020, it was obviously a shortened season. He played five games. In those five games, had almost 100 totes for 550 yards and four touchdowns. That's phenomenal for five straight games. Yeah. In those five games, 22 attempts, 32 attempts, 28 attempts, and then six in 11. So you talk about his durability. This guy is getting the ball or was right. at Wyoming time hits. and time again. Um, from what I could see, he played every single game in 2019 with some games, him rushing or carrying the ball over 30 times. Um, there was a period from October 19th where, yeah, October 19th to November 9th, he carried the ball 33 times for 127 yards, then 26 times for 206 yards, and then 37 times for 124 yards. And if you want to keep going throughout the rest of the season, the next game, 25 times for 114 yards, then 27 times for 154 yards. He's the definition of a workhorse running back. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. It just doesn't make and any like, sense yeah, to me. I would understand if you don't want to draft him. Like, but you give him the opportunity. But to at least get a, a look at him right. in a setting like the combine. I, I hope they fix that. I hope I hope yeah. he gets an invite. And then even if he doesn't, I hope he somehow, I don't know what the percentage of guys who get drafted later weren't even at the combine is, but like maybe someone will great. take a flyer on him. He's got yeah. late round steel written all over him now. He's got New England Patriots written all over him. Yeah. Somewhat a guy that wasn't, hurt. that's not invited to the combine. I'm sure like X is going to have a phenomenal workout. Right. He, Him Nin- and Niners, Kyle. Niners maybe. They, oh. if plug X, if X ends up, didn't we talk about this? I think we did. We, yeah. we talked about a fit for him would be the Niners. If um, X ends up on the I Patriots, you can almost guarantee that he's going to have one game at some point this year where he's the best running back, like fantasy running back in the league. Yeah, yeah he'll go for like 175 rush yards and three touchdowns. And everybody be like, who's? Be like, oh, an Arizona Zazavian? Vavala today? Who the fuck is this? Well, you would know if he got the respect he deserved. It's so it's so so frustrating, but it's what they do. Yeah, right? so, is solely a little more understandable for you guys? Yeah, for sure. Definitely I, a little bit more understandable. Um, but again, I feel like at a certain point, and I know numbers don't tell the entire story, but you turn on an ASU football game, which these people should do, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what game it is. Kyle Sully is flying around right. like he's the best defensive player on the field that is draft eligible. Yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> He's a better player than Nesta J. Silvera. And I don't want to take anything away from Nesta because Nesta is a phenomenal player, phenomenal person. But you want to talk about a guy that is flying around at all times? It's Kyle Soley. Yeah, to me, this I don't know if this sounds disrespectful. To me, Kyle Soley is like a defensive Tim Tebow who I think he, I look at him and to me, it just nothing about him really, despite how good of a college football player he is, he does not really, and I get that Tim Tebow was a first round draft pick, does not strike me as an NFL player. Like it just, I don't know, I could be completely off on that, but um, I just, no Sachek. I, I I think he had, a, he obviously had a big impact. I did not help him that ASU's defense was so tragic. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't make yeah. a difference if Ness is getting an invite. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's I think it's different when you're when you're a defensive tackle, and I mean Nesta. I don't know. I I just don't. He just doesn't seem to me like a an NFL caliber talent. Um, and I just don't think he was he was not really put in a position to succeed last year. I, the defense wasn't aggressive. I don't think you got to see him do enough things, different yeah. things, um, to really believe that he would be an NFL level talent. So I, I, I this I'm not losing sleep over him not getting an invite like I am with X. But you're losing sleep over X? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we can all agree. Nesta, dog. 
Dog. Kyle Soli. Dog. Dog. Xavier Valade. Dog. 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 While we're talking about dogs, you know where I'm going? Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy, guys. It's easy to get started. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Jack knows. Sign up with promo code PHNX and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to 100 bones. We've already talked. Their pick'em system is the place to go. And it's kind of like last night, right? Missed on the hire for Anthony Edwards because, my God, the Timberwolves (laughs) are a poverty franchise. I would never bet on Timberwolves. And they pulled their starters. Mm. They pulled their starters with, I want to say, seven, eight minutes left in the third quarter. Ant had 19. What was the score? They were down by, like, 30. They were getting killed. Like, (laughs) Jokic had a triple-double at halftime. Duh. um, And they had a 50-point first quarter. So it was it was awful, guys. But it's okay if you lose a little bit of money. You just try and make it back on the next day with Underdog Fantasy again. Pick'em system. You can combine literally anything from NHL, NFL, even esports mm-hmm. if you want to throw it in there. Do you like anything specifically, Underdog Fantasy? I know it's going to get real interesting with the trade deadline coming up. Um, I haven't looked at it yet today, so I need to do that. I will say I was right about the lower on Devin Booker's points yesterday, yep. and the higher on Mikael Bridges' points, and the higher. On DeAndre in rebounds. Look at you. Go. I had myself a little bit of a day. Shout out Underdog Fantasy app. Again, guys, sign up with promo code PHNX and Underdog is going to match your first deposit. Jason wants a Shane Bark from somebody. No. Feels like that's no. all you, Damon. That's pretty good. That's that was, pretty good. That is pretty Shane. Well done, Damon. Well done. I've been I've been ice cold on on another sports book app. So maybe, <laughs> I should, maybe I should maybe I should make the switch to Underdogs yep. and just. Hey, man, they're going to match your first deposit up to hundred bucks. Underdog Fantasy. Free. There we go. Get Free money. It. Free money. That's how they get you. Um, <laughs> and you can spend some of that money on some spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti. Uh, sp- not, not just any spaghetti. Spaghetti Shack. Um, we talk a lot about activating the valley. And some of y'all like to, you know, get on Twitter and be like, hashtag activate the valley. But y'all not really trying to get activated. Y'all are not really trying <laughs> to talk. activate the valley. The best way to activate the valley is by supporting ASU alumni-owned businesses. Yes, sir. And Spaghetti Shack is one of them. Um you know, they got a menu with their spaghetti, meatballs, garlic. But on Tuesday, they do ta- spaghetti tacos. Yeah. Shout out iCarly. Um, a beacon of our youth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's like, it's so cheap. What were we talking about? We were looking at it. You it could was feed, like cheap. five people for 18 bucks. Yeah. Ridiculous. And the next day, you get a bunch of garlic bread and, and meatballs. Make yourself a little meatball sub. I, I loved it. I love spaghetti. Um, who doesn't love spaghetti? Who doesn't love spaghetti? And meatballs. And meatballs. They're meatballs, dude. They're meatballs. Their meatballs go crazy. Screw mom spaghetti. Get the shack spaghetti. Wow. Um, you just say screw Gerald's mom. <laughs> I just said mom spaghetti. Uh, I didn't say Gerald. Like I didn't someone, say Gerald. It's somebody's mom spaghetti. Probably Eminem's mom spaghetti. Uh, um, Mama on his sweater. Check them out. <laughs> um, you know, it's a community focused to go pasta concept. Started right here. Um, they're currently serving Tempe and, T- and Queen Creek. So pull through. It's great spaghetti. Spaghetti shack. Get it in, yeah. And they're, in they're huge Sun Devil fans. Yeah, yes, huge they Sun are. Devil fans. Yes, they are. Uh, final question before we get out of here. Uh, it is an out there question that a lot of my questions come from TikTok. Um, and this is no different. Okay. So question for the chat. Question for obviously Jack, Sean, Damon <sighs> can even get involved in here. We got Gerald sitting here. I'm interested to see what he's got to say about this whole thing too. You're soon to be married, Gerald. This is true. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you may not want to answer. <laughs> it is relevant. So, would you rather oh God. have your very first job for life making that same amount of money or 
marry the person you lost your virginity to. So first, I feel like it's important to establish what my first job was. I was like a fry cook in a little shack at a carnival. Um, and I did that for two weeks straight while the carnival was there. If I had to do that for the rest of my life, I'm not sure I would be very happy. <laughs> and by I'm not sure I'd be very happy, I mean I'm positive I'd be miserable. Um, now, on the other hand, the I don't even know how to go about talking <laughs> about this. Um, it's a tough subject. It is. <clears throat> the woman that we would be talking about in this situation, I I don't really know like what she's up to. I don't know. I don't. I haven't. I haven't. We don't talk anymore. <laughs> we don't talk anymore. <laughs> haven't seen her since high school, so I don't really know like what her get down is. Um, <laughs> That's a way to put it. I do know that I have seen her at one point since them post some stuff on the internet that I would not necessarily be aligned with. Yeah. Um, where, where was she on January 6th? It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. Okay. I, 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 she was there. <laughs> see, I don't know where she was, but it, it wasn't where she should I be. I can't tell you where she wasn't. I don't, I don't know where she was on January 6th. Um, I grew up in a small town in Australia, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Um, that being said, I would marry her. You would marry. Yeah, I don't. I cannot work. I, I listen. I love my job so much right mm -hmm. now. I just cannot comprehend having to work any other job, let alone that oh, job company for my man. entire life. I would. I would hate <laughs> it. Yeah. I, big shout out PHNX. Um, I. I just. I. It's a tricky situation, man. I could not imagine it. Um, as problematic as she may have been, it does seem, based on the, the her social media, I guess that she. Has made a little bit of a, a, a 180 on her some of her stances, so we might be a little more aligned on some things. I may be able to make it work out. Very beautiful woman, um, but I just flex. I, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I had it like that in high school. Um, okay, <laughs> there's Sean. <to> pause. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, no, I just I feel like we could get along. I would just I would just hate my life if I had to work as a. As divorce an option after you make bank. Fries, yeah. fries. So for the purpose of this question, however it's been worded in the past, it is you have to work this job and make that amount of money. There's just, no promotion. So it, it can, yeah, there is no just making the money uh, and not doing that job. Jason, no, divorce is not an option. Divorce is never an option, Jason. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. Someone needs to tell my parents. Yeah. <laughs> and for the fourth straight week, we've Listen, talked about Sean's parents' divorce. It's not a show that we have talked about the divorce on a number of occasions. You can't come up here and be like, you're, divorce no, is right. an option. You're right. You're right. I totally forgot. I'm going to be honest with you. I totally forgot about your parents' divorce. Uh, shout out <laughs> Sean's dad, wherever he's at. Um, before I make Jack answer <laughs> Gerald, he knows. Before, well, he knows uh, where he was. Before I have Jack answer this question, Damon, where are you at on this whole thing? I think it's all relative to what the job is mm -hmm. and who the girl okay. is. And I think I'm definitely going with the girl just because I cannot work for Arizona football as a video manager, <laughs> student video manager making $12 yeah. for us. Also, I see terrible football. All the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there uh, we go, Jack. I also want to say I spend so much time here working. It doesn't matter who my wife is. I would hardly see her. Okay. Like I could, I, I would rather I would I could bread get her over there. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's what I do. I'm, I'm again company man. He just kind of um, got it. Like I work it. until the job's done, and I would work a lot more if I hated my wife. So, um, 
I would be more productive, you know? Maybe I'd get a raise. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, top top man. 10 career tips, like just absolutely <laughs> despise your, your spouse. <laughs> you, will, you, will, you won't ever You want to grind? Harder. Get married to somebody yeah. that you hate. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jack? Where are you at here? I know this is um, exactly when I asked you to come on. This is exactly yeah. the hard-hitting stuff you thought you were talking about. No, this is about. great. This is a good, good soft landing. Uh, <laughs> I, so my first job was I worked at a Froyo shop in my hometown. Okay. I worked like – it was fun. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Okay. Like – Obviously, I made like what, like nine or ten dollars an Probably hour. Wasn't so great. finances would be things would be a little. <laughs> you can a little get a thin. second job if you like. No, that's true. That's another the caveat that we haven't discussed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I worked. I worked for just a guy who hired like only kids from our high school. It was like fun. You go work there. Worked like like twelve hours a week, like stuff like mm. that. Um, so that was my first job. It was fun. I obviously wouldn't like to go back to that job, but <laughs> compared to being like a fry cook at a carnival, I'd say it's yeah. a step or two up from that. Um, I also don't know what she's up to. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's been a minute since I checked in. <laughs> that, it was that's while. the hardest part of this question. <laughs> is depending, on, depending on how far removed you are from that incident, I guess, you, yeah. there's a good chance you just have gone on a very different, a very different path. life path. Yeah. That's very good chance. Yeah. No, a, I'd have to, I'd have to shoot a text. <laughs> Should I text It's her? not even like it's an, like a, an X either. Like it's like, there's yeah. someone yeah. I really have no idea. <laughs> I have no so idea. So what are you going with here? What's your answer? My answer is the job. You're working at Froyo I'm forever. I'm working at Froyo forever. Okay, that's totally fair. And I like, imagine that. the free samples. Hey, yeah, Froyo yeah. goes crazy. It's a yeah. damn shame we don't have a Roman read today. And, uh, then I yeah. can, and then I can marry the girl in my dreams if I work at the Froyo shop? Yeah. Or does that yeah. affect her? Like, is she like, oh, you work at a Froyo shop? Well, I don't shop. know. I mean, I don't think you should be, <laughs> if, if you're... If there's a girl that shows up at the Froyo shop and doesn't want to marry you because you work at a Froyo shop, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know. I don't want to marry you because you go to Froyo shops. How about that? Yeah. Well, yeah. well technically, Loser. as the Froyo, what are they? They're not like cooks. They're Froyoers? Are they Froyo? Like, well, let's just say artists. Froyo, <laughs> fair enough. That, I, no, it, it, it was a self-serve, right. like, just weigh it and <laughs> yeah. say what it is. You and just I was, hit the I was not doing what, what was it, like a TCBY or a Yogan Fruz or something? No, it was like a local mom and pop. Mm, it was oh, called yeah. Swirl. Mm. Yeah, I know the owner. The owner's kid. I used to give like ba baseball lessons to his kid. Like I know oh, him. Right. Yeah, I still. I, I could. Yeah, I could, I could. I'm in way better touch with him than I am the girl. He's I talking himself into working at yeah. like yeah. working for you forever. I still go back there. So something that really distracts me, no matter what. Yeah, is what's planes the dragging you, giant banners behind them? Whoa, is that another? China balloon? No, that's no. What, it, honestly, I saw it at the corner of my eye. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, nope. not again. Damn Just it. a giant banner. So, um, so what's your answer? Oh, uh, this is ah. Uh, um, so my very first job, I was a bus boy. Um, so I didn't make very much money, which assuming that I'd get minimum wage is fine. There was a time where I would have answered this question and said, yes, I would have married that person. <laughs> but like, uh, like this person, like we were fine in terms of like politics and all that stuff. They're just like, not great. Like as a human, mm. so I, I she, she, <laughs> she wronged you. Yeah, she, like Anthony's I'm just been like, hurt. <laughs> just like, been broke what do so I do? Am I a blessed boy forever, times. or like marry somebody that's just like it feels Lindsay, like it would be it tough? Passively, aggressively, just whisper, just pick one because they have a show in two minutes. Oh well, so. now I kind of want to go for another five, Lindsay. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> you know, what? let's unpack this. Yeah, well, I have more baseball yeah, questions. Actually, yeah, so you want to talk about your parents' divorce again? Yeah, why not? Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna I'm gonna be a busboy for life. I I couldn't I couldn't marry that person forever. Um, so yeah, that'll have to do though because Sons does have a show here mm -hmm. in a couple minutes, guys. If you enjoyed the content. 
Give us a follow. You had, you had to have enjoyed the content. Underscore Sun Devils. Follow me on social at Anthony underscore Totri. You can follow the man currently fucking with the Mac at Shane Deep. <laughs> uh, you can follow Jack. Where can the people follow you? At Jack Loader underscore on Twitter. Ooh, um, it's got the underscore at the end. I got the mm-hmm. underscore. Yeah, there was someone already had the, the name, I guess. Really? Yeah. Tragic. I was like 16. I was a, mm. Working at the Froyo shop. Yeah, I was. I think I was there. <laughs> you can follow Sean to pause at Sean underscore to pause. Well, I was told that I need to stall now, so now I need help coming up. Um, stall, not knowing what my as always is going to be, as always, which in this situation actually benefits because they need more time. Mm. Do they still? Okay, no, they're dead now. Get us out of here, Totri. All right, guys. We will see you Thursday post-game show. ASU basketball looking to get back on track. We'll see if they can do that thing against the Stanford Cardinal. I'm surprised your thing wasn't fuck the Stanford tree. Oh, yeah. No, fuck the Stanford. Uh, yeah, that's one thing. If you're going to know anything. Well, if you're going to know anything about me, I'm from Buffalo. Or I fucking hate the Stanford tree. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Interesting. Peace. Yeah.